Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 51 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. I am your host. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at JustinHughes365. Yes, after getting a few comments about my previous bad handle, I changed it this last week. Uh, the at at Batman was getting a few comments. So I have now, no, that's gone, and I'm back to at Justin Hughes 365. And you can also follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And let me introduce Andrew right now. Andrew, how's it going, man? Going good. How was, uh, how was the new year? Oh, it was boring. I think I was asleep. What about you? <laughs> I went out with a few friends. It was a good time. Yeah. Well, good deal. Um, you know, you mentioned, I think, on the last episode that your New Year's resolution was to tweet more. We're six, seven days into the new year. How's that going? I've definitely failed so far. but <laughs> So we'll you're see, like man. every other American. There's- yeah, right. As the year goes on, maybe a little bit more. Now, wait a minute. Usually they do well. We, people set New Year's resolutions and do well for a couple of days and then die off. You're yeah. gonna. You're saying you're going to do this the opposite. Do the opposite, yep. yep. Peak, <laughs> peak late. You just need baseball season to get here. Then you'll have some more to tweet about, right? right. Yeah, exactly. And, well, this is exciting. Uh, this is episode number 51, and episode number one was whenever we started the position previews with catchers, and here we are. We're back around to talking about position previews. It's time for us to get started. As it's a new year. It's time to get ready for 2020. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. I uh, feel like January through March is kind of the – core time of the year for fantasy baseball podcasts so yeah this is uh this is it's kind of like turning the page and the pre you know this season goes from being in the rearview mirror to ahead of us so it's good times here that's a good segue into what i'm about to talk about next which before i get we do get started i was wanting to say thank you to all of our listeners who have been Checking out the show, either coming back as we're getting more downloads right now, as we're getting into, like you said, the peak season for draft prep for baseball. And we've had record high downloads on the past two episodes. Uh, Before that, the Tim McLeod episode all the way back in April was our most downloaded episode. And the last two have both topped it. And so thank you. I hope some of you guys are checking us out for the first time and enjoying the show. We're going to Bring out some real good content the next couple months as we're going to be talking about each position preview. And we're going to go in-depth on these players and try to give you some good info for going into drafts. And the last cool thing that happened, this just happened, I think, yesterday. I received an email from someone at Chartable. And I didn't know who what Chartable was, but my wife works in podcasting. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's legit. And they were telling me in the email that we were like the 130th podcast in baseball right now in the rankings and she went and looked on the website and that was in the morning when I got the email and she started looking around at our rankings and got some funny statistics, fun statistics to share with you, Andrew, you ready to hear these? 
Oh, I'm ready. I've heard them, but I'm ready to hear them again. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, or at least as of last night around 9 p.m., as we were, as my wife was looking, we were ranked 109th on all baseball podcasts currently in the U.S., and that's pretty cool, but it gets better. We are the 47th most downloaded podcast in Canada right now, and number 34 all-time amongst baseball podcasts in Canada. Who knew? Who knew? And I've got more. Um, We are the 60th most popular podcast in Norway of all time amongst baseball podcasts. And then we peak in Australia. We are the 27th most downloaded podcast in Australia. For baseball. For baseball, yes. (laughs) Andrew, when I heard these stats, I mean, the only thing this really tells me is you and I, we are international superstars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's funny. I I saw the email and I was trying to make sense of it. I'm glad that your wife confirmed it's legit, but I definitely wouldn't have believed it without her. I know that. No, I didn't. I totally thought it was something that was spam. And all I want to know is, if you are downloading this podcast and you are in Norway or Australia, please tweet uh, the podcast at Baseball365Pod and let us know that you downloaded. You know what? I just thought of something. I actually, my in-laws had a foreign exchange student six years ago from Norway Maybe she downloaded the baseball podcast one time to support me. And they've had, there are so few people in Norway that download the pod baseball three, six or baseball podcast that that put us immediately at 60th. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't rule anything out. That's for sure. No. Okay. Uh, I do have another revelation that I had over the, as we hit the new year, um, that involved baseball 365 bets. You know, we only made two of them last year. I think we've got one already for this year. I don't remember it. It's in the baseball 365 Facebook page. We might even have two of them. I can't remember. But as you and I were discussing a bet last week about Nate Pearson, I think versus uh, Ty- not glass, not glass now Kopech in turn or no, not Kopech. Um, Forced Whitley. Whitley. Yes. I'm like, I, I chickened out on taking that bet, and I was like, you know, I need to let this go because people like people like bets, and I don't need to worry about making sure I feel fully confident I'm going to win a bet. And just kind of like a light bulb flicked, clicked, a light bulb flicked on or whatever. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's time to make more bets, Andrew. And I'll say it right now. Nick Pearson versus Tyler. Uh, I almost did it again. Forrest Whitley. I'm taking Whitley. You taking Pearson? I'll take Pearson, yeah. Let's make it a bet. Pearson Whitley. How are we doing it? Just, Just five best minutes. fantasy season. We'll, based we'll on, go based on what? Dollars earned on fan graphs. How about that? Okay. Okay. And, yep. And then the other one that we talked about, we never got online. Actually, we still I have two more. Manny Machado. And we were, you were trying to get me to take a bet on Manny Machado versus Austin Meadows in terms of home runs with Austin Meadows getting a three-home run advantage. And I wasn't going to do it. You know what? I'll do it. 
I will say that Austin Meadows comes within or hits. How so do I plus say three. It? It's plus, Machado, plus three. Machado yes. minus three, basically. I'll take Meadows plus three. Yeah, I'll take Machado minus three. And we got a bet. Yep. And finally, the other one you were trying to get me to do, and I don't even know how great I feel about this one, but I'm going to do it anyways. I say Michael Kopech throws at least 160 innings in 2020. Under. We got a bet. How about that? We got three bets already out of the way. Yep, I'll try and be more liberal with them myself, but we had to get a few more up there. Yep, yep. If I'm going to... I'm going to take some stances here, and we'll just see how they go. And before we get to catchers, last thing I want to talk about, and I don't – I one piece of news. We got all kinds of news going on, but I don't think any of it's as big as this one. Luis Robert has signed an extent signed with the White Sox. I don't know if you want to call it an extension. I guess it's a deal. Six years, $50 million with two club options for $20 million each. And so now there's no restrictions – Robert is going to be up on opening day. What do you think of this deal? Is it good for both sides? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good for both sides, definitely. Yeah. that The beautiful thing about this, now people drafting, I mean, you're going to have Robert opening day. I mean, there's pretty much – they're not going to keep him down now. They have no reason to. Yeah. But what do you think – how are you feeling about Robert? I know we're we're not doing an outfield pot preview right now, but with where he's being drafted, are are you thinking you're going to be in on him, or is this a guy that you're not so sure about? What are your feelings? Uh, you know, honestly, I I see both sides of it, but the thing is, is you're you're just not getting any type of discount. I saw a tweet since he signed that he went at the 4-5 turn. So it was in an, NFBC, in an NFBC draft. So it was like pick 60-61. And, yeah, I just I don't think that that would be me, you know? I mean, where it was before, I think, you know, what was he going before that? Like round seven? His eight. ADP on NFBC, I just looked it up, it's 108 overall. So, yeah, you're talking the eight. Seven round, to eight, eight, eighth yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind it a little bit more there, but even there, I'm just a little unsure. I mean, I think his ceiling's really high. I just, I think that there's a chance he comes up and he struggles making contact and kind of adapting to the major league environment. I don't know. I mean, it's probably just not a guy that I'll be in on right away. But I'll admit, I mean, he could. Definitely, he could go 2020. I feel like pretty easily they're going to let him play, and he's got the deal. I mean, it's—I may regret it, but yeah, I, I probably won't be in on him. There's a wide range of outcomes with yeah. that guy. That's the way yeah. I'd say it. He could yeah. go and he could be Fernando Tatis Jr. next year, or he could be Yon Mancada from a couple years ago, or Buxton. I shouldn't. I could easily see either end and I, I, I don't think I'm going to be quite comfortable doing it, but I totally get it for the people that do, because that guy could be a league winner. If you're taking him even, I, if you're taking him in the seventh, eighth round, you, there's a chance you get first round value out of that guy. Well, if it's this, hit tools this, there enough. 
the speed is definitely intriguing. I mean, mm-hmm. if nothing else, you know, and obviously the playing time and the upside. I mean, he definitely doesn't come without risk, but yeah, I don't know. It's just every there's definitely going to be people in every league that are willing to be aggressive on him. So you're kind of going to have to be. I think he's going to creep into the fourth round and. God, I almost could see him even getting into the third by the end of March, but like we'll Vlad see. last year. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but it's it's just probably going to be too expensive for me. It, yeah, you know, I uh, was big on I'm big on Tatis. I took him in the second round. I was bought in the more I thought about it as this offseason went. The one big difference I'll say between the two is Tatis actually can he's better at taking walks. Robert swings a lot, <laughs> and I think I ha- I just between that and him having some swing and miss in him, I fear for, that th- it could be an ugly year for him. I I really could see that being the case, and I just don't have the guts to do it early. But if you get him in the fourth, fifth round, even, and you get a if he can hit two sixty, if you told me right now he was going to hit two sixty, I'd I'd want him. I'd want shares, but. I could also see him hitting two thirty yeah. with a two seventy five yeah. on base percentage. I'm not I'm not bullish at all on his batting average, but he he's gonna have power and speed. I just yep. I mean I'm pretty certain saying that. So I'm not gonna be too far out like, oh my god, this is egregious because I do definitely see the upside. Yep. But like I said, it just it probably won't be me, but I get it. So that leads me to bringing up the lineup real quick. I think I've mentioned this before, but here are eight of their nine starting hitters on opening day, as long as everybody's healthy. On roster resource, this is the order they have them for the White Sox. Yoan Mankata first, hitting at third base. Tim Anderson hitting second at shortstop. Jose Abreu. Then we got Yasmani Grandal, Edwin Encarnacion, Eloy Jimenez, Nomar Mazzara, Luis Robert, and then Lurie Garcia hitting ninth, which that seems like just a placeholder for Nick Madrigal when he gets up. They have an exciting-looking lineup going into this year. Yeah, they definitely do. A lot of strikeouts in there, but yeah, they definitely do. A lot of strikeouts, and they have quite a few guys that do not walk also. Yeah, I always feel like when you look at lineups like this in the middle of winter and it's like, oh, my God, it looks so great. It just never seems like it ends up being mm-hmm. as great as you think. But, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good on paper. I mean, we'll see what happens. But some of these young guys, I mean, they're not necessarily locks. And I, I don't oh, want yes. to treat them. I don't want to treat them as if they are right off the bat. I mean, long term, of course, I like Eloy. Of course, I like Robert. Mancata, Anderson, you know, all these guys. I mean, they're good young players. But, I mean, for this year, I I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them struggled. And that's exactly why I said exciting and not dangerous. Because I think there's a very – or I think I even said the word interesting. and I don't remember for sure. But interesting is more what I mean than dangerous. Because, yeah, that team could definitely have – a lot of swings on it in terms of get real hot and be really good for a little while, but I could see some real bad stretches for that lineup just because they have so many hackers on, in it. But um, 
My last question for you. You live up near Chicago. You're in Indiana. How far are you from Chicago again? Like 45 minutes? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. So you are around a lot of – you're a Cubs fan and you're around a lot of White Sox fans and you know the pulse of that area. What is it like right now in terms of Cubs and White Sox and the excitement level in terms of which fan base right now is more excited in the lo- by the locals? Uh, I'm – so it's a little different with me. I don't listen to a lot of local like radio and stuff. I okay. just don't do that. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of national, you know, stuff if I do listen to it. Um, I tell you, the, the White Sox fans that I'm around on a semi-regular basis, they're excited. I mean, mm-hmm. and Cubs fans, maybe not quite as much. So I'd probably say White Sox fans are probably a little more excited right now. But that also has to do with, They've done things where, where they were versus where they are now. And, you know, for both teams. So, you know, that kind of plays into it too. I mean, the White Sox haven't been good in quite a few years, but they're definitely on the rise. I mean, obviously. Yeah, they're definitely on the rise. And I would not say the Cubs are on the fall right now. I think that maybe I'm wrong for that. I still thought they were going to win that division all the way down the stretch last year until the last couple of weeks. And um, they still have a really good playoff caliber, championship caliber team. Um, that's I've been real curious to ask you this question for the last couple of weeks in terms of just what the excitement level is with the fan base. I'm yeah. sure there are Cub fans that are pretty bitter just the way the way last year ended, losing Madden. I just I could see there being some anger there, but on the same note, they still have a. I mean, they still have their full team. They didn't really, I mean, their losses were minimal. Even though they haven't been out there signing anybody, they've got a very good squad going into this year. Yeah, there's been a little bit of that. I mean, any time that you are where the Cubs were a few years ago and it kind of drops off a little bit, there's always going to be some frustration. But like I said, I just don't, I don't get too involved with like the local radio. I would, I would rather listen to, stuff that kind of discusses everything across major league baseball and minor league baseball than like just Cubs and White Sox stuff. Cause I feel like I get that in the other parts too, you know? And then I still talk about a lot of guys in my work are White Sox fans. So I hear, I hear it through them enough, enough for my fill of it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I guess when you love baseball as a sport enough as you and I do, I don't like listening to local Cardinal talk either on the radio. Same reasons. I'd rather just hear about baseball in general. I'll watch, I'll, I'll get my Cardinals stuff when I watch Fox sports Midwest right before or after a game. And that's about it. They're always biased too. Anyways, you know, it just doesn't, just doesn't work for me, I guess. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Well, Let's get into the ranks before we'll we'll take a break real quick, and then we'll get to start talking catchers. Sound good, Andrew? Yep, sounds good. All right, Andrew. Well, now that we're on year two of the ranks, What's fun is I still have my notes from last year for all these position previews. So while you can't really find that ADP on that on the NFBC site, I still have them all. 
as long as I didn't mistype anything. So what's going to be fun I, as we start all these positions, I'm going to talk also about what happened last year and just really kind of see what our top 10 looked like. And I have them here. You ready to hear this? Yeah, this is the top 10 from last year, right? Yes. Top 10 ADP from last year. At what was interesting, JT Real Muto and Gary Sanchez were one pick apart. They were 59 and 60 with Real Muto at number one and Sanchez two. Then we had Salvador Perez at number three at 110. Yasmani Grandal at 140, along with Wilson Ramos at 140 at number five. Wilson Contreras was down at number six at 142. Yadier Molina and Buster Posey were seven and eight, two veterans. And Danny Jansen at number nine, all down to 242. And Jan Gomes at 251. What's your reaction to this compared to where we stand now? What, what, what sticks out to you on here? Nothing really. I mean, obviously, Sal Perez got hurt and some of those guys didn't exactly pan out the way you would like, but I feel like that's going to be the the scenario every single time. Mm-hmm. Like if we're sitting there in a year, I mean, the top 10 that we're going to go through looks better than that top 10, but they haven't had the chance to fail this year yet. So, yeah, and that's some, a good and point. Some of, some of them will. I mean, so I think it's pretty similar in terms of talent. I think it is a little bit better this year. Because, like, you had Mitch Garver explode, Will Smith explode, Sean Murphy coming onto the scene, Narvaez broke out a little bit. Carson uh, Kelly. Christian, Christian Vazquez had a good year. I mean, yeah, Carson Kelly. Like, and then there's still hope, you know, you would think for, like, Danny Jansen and stuff like that, who's lower now. It's just, I think that it is a little bit better because of some of that, but I mean, that doesn't mean that these guys are all going to pan out because they're definitely not going to. Yeah. Uh, next question. I didn't put this in the notes. I meant to, what's your overall opinion on this position as a whole going into this year? Uh, you mean just like as far as how I like to attack it or just in terms of what, you, what's your thoughts on the position? Not as much how you want to attack it, as just what do you think of what you're seeing in terms of the top 10, top 20 in comparison to last year? Do you think it's, it's a looks better? Like you said, then? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit better. There's a few guys I think are a little out of order from where I would take them. We'll, we'll get into that obviously, yes. but um, I think overall it's a little bit better, but it still isn't good. I mean, when you get to the bottom of catcher, and a lot of what we'll be referring to tonight is 15-team, two-catcher league. So if your league isn't that, or you know, if we specifically mention one-catcher league, obviously that's different. But uh, when you get to the bottom, and when I say bottom, I just mostly mean like your C2s, like your 16 through 30, it's ugly. I mean, and it's probably always going to be ugly no matter if it's this year next year two years from now five years from now i mean the bottom rung of the catchers is just never exciting so yeah and you just said the two catcher one catcher format let's say you are in like a 12 team one catcher league what's do you have a real opinion on that in terms of is that would you be aggressive and be trying to get one of these top guys or would you be was there are some guys that just sit there and wait till the end of the draft. Do you, or where do you lie on that? 
I don't play in any 12 team one catcher, so it's hard to say. I, my pretty much what I would say just kind of across the board is I'm not probably going to really reach at catcher. Like I'm just going to kind of take what falls to me. Um, there are specific guys that I like a little bit more than others, but it's just a position where I'm okay, like waiting. And, you know, you have your little tiers where it's like, I, I kind of want to get one out of these few, you know, if you, if you're waiting too long. And sometimes what I'll do is if there's a few of them, I like, I'll try and get one. And if I miss, I'll just wait a little longer, you know, but I'm never like jumping out and being like, I have to take this guy or this guy, especially if you're looking at a one catcher league, you know, 10 or 12 team, even more. So I just, I would probably be inclined to wait, but the thing to keep in mind is that's what everyone's doing too. Mm -hmm. So there can be value. value. Yeah, there can be value. You you don't just want to just say, I'm going to wait no matter what, because it just depends what comes to you. You know, if it's, like the 10th round in a one catcher league and JT real Muto is still sitting there. I mean, it's time to take him. So it just, you know, it just depends. I mean, that's probably not happening, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm with you on it. Uh, you know, wait for the way the value comes to you. I think yeah. that's a, and if not, just keep waiting. I think that's pretty close to what I do. I, especially this year, I don't really see myself jumping out to grab somebody. I nearly took a couple guys. I think, in a draft in a mock draft a couple weeks ago, I nearly took Gary Sanchez and got sniped on him just because I thought he held what fell too far. But on the same note, it's not like I'm going out of my way to get any of these guys. It's just a where's the value? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Number one is JT Real Muto again for the second year in a row. This time he's got a he's a clear number one in ADP ahead of Gary Sanchez and Yasmani Grandal. After they, he was close to Sanchez last year at 59 and 60. Is JT Real Muto your number one catcher if you were doing ranks, Andrew? Uh, I've thought about this since you mentioned it because I've always been a Sanchez backer. I think Real Muto is my number one. I don't think that I will get him in drafts because I would rather wait. 30 to 40 picks and get the next couple guys. That's just me personally. But if I'm sitting there and it's one or the other or any of the others, I guess. uh, Yeah. I'd take real Muto first. Yeah. Agreed with everything you said. Um, You know, what's interesting about his season as I'm looking at his fan graphs and I didn't really notice this until digging today, but his speed came back. You know, he was always known as the, he was well known for his first few years in Miami as the guy that was would get you eight to twelve steal, stolen bases. And last hour in twenty eighteen, I can't say last year anymore because now we're into January. But in twenty eighteen, he stole only three bags in his last season with Miami. But he turned the switch back on, stealing nine bases in. Philly and they must be a team that is okay with running because Bryce Harper steals also came back. They, I bet they'll give more of a green light than maybe most other teams or it makes me wonder at least, but yeah, I'm with you on waiting. I'd rather get the next couple guys waiting 30 picks, but I agree that he's the number one guy and 
Yeah, go ahead. With, with him, no, I was just going to say with him, it's just he's really consistent. You're getting consistency. It's kind of like you know what you're getting with the guy. Um, his expected batting average and his launch angle stayed the same. Uh, everything's just pretty much above average. And like you said, with the speed, 89th percentile sprint speed in Major League Baseball. So he's one of the <laughs> faster guys in the league, and he's a catcher. So it's just really valuable. You know, his, his WRC plus did drop, but a lot of that probably just due to the offensive uptick over, across the league, you know, last year yeah. with the ball. Yeah, he was steady. He didn't really jump up because of it. His home, runs in RBI look real nice this last year, but yeah, I think that probably is just an uptick in the league. One thing I did, one thing I did uh, find, he hit two twenty two on breaking pitches. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's just crushes fastballs, but two twenty two hmm. on breaking pitches, not a big deal probably, but just something I found I thought was kind of. Now you got me curious to know what the median what the median is for breaking pitch batting average. Yeah, I don't know offhand. I mean, obviously everybody hits, obviously everybody hits fastballs better, but yeah, um, I don't I don't know offhand the the average. I know I was I had looked at this with a lot of these guys, and uh, there was quite a few that were higher than that. So just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is. I'm. I wouldn't have guessed that either, given he's got a pretty good hit tool. But yeah, he's going to give you. Every category, I mean, to some extent, you can't depend on a ton of steals, but it's more steals than you're going to get from any other catcher, you know, and batting average will be good. Counting stats will be good. Obviously, there's no playing time risk. So, yeah, he's he's definitely a stud. I, I probably underrate him. I just I wouldn't. Um, he's at 57 here and I I just wouldn't take him that high. But just me, I'd rather wait a little bit, take these next really these next four or five guys. Yeah. Agreed. And the next two are Gary Sanchez at number two at catcher number two at 86 overall and Yasmani Grandal at 97 now with the White Sox. And Andrew, I know you love both of these guys. They've both been guys you were touting quite a bit last year. Who you got of these two straight up and how close are they? Uh, I would take Sanchez in a batting average league, and I would take Grandal in an OBP league. I actually think I was looking at it. I think I might take Grandal over Real Muto in an OBP league. I think it's really yeah. close. Grandal seventeen percent walk rate. That's insane. I mean, it just yeah. So yeah, I would at least consider it, but. Yeah, in like a standard with average, I would take Gary Sanchez. A third, and he's a 13.9% career walk rate, Grandall. Yeah, yeah. And that just shows, I mean, consistent year after year, 2017 was the only year he was in single digits going back through his career ever since. Yeah, going back through his entire career. It's impressive. You just don't find guys doing that. And so... Grandall does go from the Brewers to the White Sox, and I know you were, I mean, you liked Grandall going into last year, and part of it was Milwaukee. Him going to Chicago, do you downgrade him at all with that change and no. where he's going? No, I actually was looking at park factors for lefties, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember off the top of my head because I was actually looking at it for a different guy on this list, but I want to say that for home runs with lefties, the Sox Park was above the Brewers. 
I don't quote me on that. I'd have to double check it and I don't have it in front of me, but I know that the Sox park was really high for left-handed power. <laughs> Brewers is Brewers is too, but um, yeah, just something I found interesting. They're both parks that I know are hitters, good hitters parks. So I'm not surprised by that, even though I got, I should say I'm a little surprised if you had asked me straight up who I thought it was, I would have picked Milwaukee, but I would have said it was probably close. Yeah, like I said, I, I'd have to double check that. I, I may be wrong, but yeah, with Sanchez, I mean, you're just obviously you're getting a ton of power, um, barrels per batted ball. He was the top one percent in the league. I mean, he crushes everything. His K rate did go up and his walk rate did go down a little bit. So just something to keep a little bit of an eye on. I wonder a little bit if he could get squeezed out of some playing time, but I'm not too worried about it. I mean, he hit. I think it was, was it 34 home runs? Yep. Yes. In like a hundred games or something. 106 games. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. 106 games. So it's, um, his chase rate went up a little bit. He was chasing a few more pitches. So there's a few things to just kind of keep an eye on, but the bar that is set at catcher is so low, you know, so many of these guys are just kind of, run of the mill and he clearly has the highest power ceiling of anybody yep and with with grandall it's just he's a it's kind of like a passive approach he doesn't swing it a lot his um his swing percentage and some of that stuff like o swing which chase rate and just his regular swing percentage are all really low uh, i looked up out of um 135 qualified hitters in baseball, he was 129th in swing percentage. Wow! So he just doesn't swing like a lot. You know, he just it's just passive. But obviously, he takes a lot of walks and has a good eye at the plate. So the lineup's obviously good. I mean, he's he's good. I, I like Grandall a lot. That's a fantastic nugget. Now you got me curious to go see who the other guys were that were lower than you. Him. Want you want to know three guys who were lower? Sure. I wrote, I wrote it down. So Grandal, like I said, 129th of 135 guys. I have two this guesses, is, but I want to hear. Qual- this is qualified hitters. So guys who qualified for the batting title uh-huh. in swing percentage. So just overall swings. Three guys that are lower, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Alex Bregman. None of those were on my list. I should have known Trout just because. Now, granted, he gets thrown around. They're, they're getting a lot. They're getting not that many strikes thrown to them, obviously, yes. because they're, you know, <laughs> they're getting pitched around. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting. I had it pulled up. And... Gee, I should have known also with Bregman. Guys walked more than he struck out last year, which yeah. you just don't see in today's game. Um, Moving to the last, the the four and five here in the top five, and that would be Mitch Garver at 113 and Wilson Contreras at 121. Both of those guys had fantastic seasons last year. Garver was awesome with 31 home runs and only 93 games played. So basically he averaged a home run for every three games played, but he also only hit seven home runs in 103 games in 2018. So this was definitely a power spike and it's hard to tell how much it was skills and how much it was actually the juice ball. But Andrew, since they're so close, I'll just ask it to you this way. Are you taking, are you considering Garver ahead of Contreras and drafts? Yes. 
Really? Oh, yeah. I expected the opposite. Yeah, and I'll gladly make a board bet on this if you want to bet on it. Done. We'll do it. Okay. I will take Wilson Contreras. We'll go dollars earned. Yep. Contreras over knew, Carver. You know what's funny? I knew when I read these show notes that we had this bet. <laughs> the way I worded it. Yeah, the way you worded it. So uh, just a few just a few things here with Garver. Exit velocity up, launch angle up, barrel rate skyrocketing, top four percent in the league. Tons of fly balls, 155 WRC plus, best at the position. I mean, he could definitely revert to 2018, but why would he? Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I did pick up Garver last year in my daily dynasty league, so I have a share. I had no I, I was even floating him out there because I wasn't competing quite yet. I think I could compete this year, and offers weren't strong, so I just held on to him. So I'm excited to hear you saying those stats right now. Yeah, there. I mean, I think that he could – I think the playing time could go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did, who was it that they got a Vila, right? I think. I don't remember. I yeah. know Castro's gone. I don't yeah, remember they who they Alex, replaced him with. They got Alex Avila, and I, I'm pretty sure Alex Avila's framing is really good. I don't have it in front of me. That sounds right, because Castro, Garver's, same Garver's thing. Is just, Garver's is just kind of average. So I guess the argument against Garver to me, if there is one, is just that, you know, like the defensive stuff. But all of his batted ball data and everything supports pretty much what he did. I mean, I don't expect him to probably do quite what he did. But like Contreras on the counter, and love me some Wilson Contreras, I hope you win that bet. But <laughs> every everything is on the ground. He just mm-hmm. hits everything on the ground. Yes. And he hit a few more fly balls last year, but... Garver's just the total opposite. I was looking at them, and their um, their ground ball percentage and fly ball percentage are like inverted. You know, they're just the total opposites. So, and with Contre- catcher, I mean, with catchers, it's clear you definitely want them hitting the ball in the air. They're not relying on speed. You know, so we talked about Contreras last year, and I remember our conversations talking about his home run to fly ball rate because. It was 26% in 2017, and then 2018, it was 9%. It's like, okay, we expect somewhere in between here. And I was definitely in on him at his price last year in drafts. And I'm, I like his price here, but on the same note, that home run to fly ball rate jumped back up to 27%. So there's a lot of swings going on in terms of that, with him hitting the ball on the ground as much as he is. Yeah. I could see it, but I also think he'll play 30 to 40 more games at catcher than Garver. Yeah, yeah, he may. And that's that may be where you get it. I, I recognize that. I love Contreras. I mean, I I think that they're close. I just think some of the batted ball stuff favors Garver, but we'll see. Yep. Right, we got another bet. That's four bets today. Yeah. Watch hey, out, we're, everybody. We're, we're on a good pace. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. We got Will Smith, the rookie who came up last year and exploded. He's at number six at 149 overall. So we're talking the in, right there at the wheel at pit round 10, at the 10-11 wheel. 20 home runs and 270 plate appearances. And it looks like he's going to be a starter over under 20 home runs in 2020. I think I'm taking the over. 
Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more then. What if I put the bar at twenty five? I could see it being over, but I wouldn't like bet on it or anything. Yeah, I'm not trying to sucker you into bet on this one. Honestly, I haven't looked into it yeah, enough to uh, feel good about it. He hits so. a lot of fly ball. He hits a lot of fly balls, so that's good. He could he could, could he could improve some of the um, the quality of his the balls that he does hit. But I mean, I think he's kind of coming into his own. He's young. He's on a great team. Obviously, I mean, the one thing I I don't worry about this, but it's just something that's in the back of my head is if he does really struggle, like will the Dodgers keep playing him? I don't Mm -hmm. really think he, I don't think he's going to struggle really. I mean, I think he's good, plenty good to hold the job, but the Dodgers are so good that it's almost like a requirement, you know, I mean, granted there's, there's no real threat to his time. I think Austin Barnes is the backup. That's what I was just looking up. Yes. He is the backup. Yeah, so it's probably not a big deal, but I just always think with these young kids on these super awesome teams, like these super teams, it's that's kind of always in the back of my head. But no, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem with him. Most likely, I, I think he'll be good. I could even see him getting into the top three or four catchers at the end of the year. I, yeah, I agree. And the thing he also has going for him is he's. I I think he was pretty well known for his defense. Like he and Kiebert Ruiz were coming up. And the yeah. thing I was hearing is Ruiz is not a good defensive catcher, and Will Smith is. So that's a nice plus for him to have, too, is the defensive skills should allow him to be able to stay behind the plate. Even if he's not hitting great, yeah. if he was to take a step back, that gives him a better leash as compared to if Kiebert was coming up, uh, have come up last year in that spot and he wasn't hitting well, that could have, uh, going into this year, that could have been more of a problem for him. Yeah, definitely. That definitely does does help when you have that, at least as a kind of a fallback. So closing out the rest of the top ten, I would I was just gonna list these four off in a row. And we got Wilson Ramos with the Mets at one eighty, Salvador Perez returning at one eighty eight, Christian Vasquez with the Boston Red Sox right around at one ninety eight, and Carson Kelly at two seventeen. But just lumping those as a whole. Are there is there anybody on that this list that you like or dislike particularly? Well, I definitely, definitely dislike Wilson Ramos. Really? Okay. Um, Tell me why. Yeah. So I ran I when I was kind of looking through this stuff, I sorted catchers by two hundred plate appearances or more because when you sort catchers on fan graphs based on guys who qualified for the batting title, there's four that did. Oh, my four, word. Four catchers. So I obviously wanted to look at more than four catchers. So <laughs> I did it with 200 plate appearances, um, which is with a lot of this stuff, like what I would be referring to. But um, Wilson Ramos, of those catchers, had the highest ground ball percentage of anybody by 10%. So Here's what was it? 62%. Oh, 62 my word. Point like four. Now listen to this. This is, this is even better. You ready for this? Okay. In the entire league, so all hitters, not just catchers, okay? 
hitters with 200 plate appearances. So I did the same thing, but I just searched all positions. Wilson Ramos was 360th out of 360 in fly ball percentage. I'm not surprised. If you got a 62% ground ball rate. Yeah, dead last. He was 298th of 360 in line drive. And he's first of 360 in ground ball percentage. Yeah, Eric Hosmer's looking at that guy saying he needs to hit the ball in the air more. Right. And of the four and of the forty-eight catchers, like I was talking about, you know, just going back to catchers, he was forty-third out of forty-eight in hard content, hard hit percentage. Man, so I'm just I'm just out. Like I don't, he's not a good defender. He's in the NL, so you kind of like like there's nowhere to go. It's catcher or nothing. Uh, he doesn't hit the ball in the air. He doesn't have speed to hit the ball on the ground that much, you know, it just doesn't all add up. Like, I think he'll have a decent batting average probably, but I think he could start to lose playing time. I feel like he's an injury risk. Uh, Tomas Nito, their backup, he's a good defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just not in on Ramos. There's probably pretty much every guy in the top 15 pretty close I'd rather have. Okay, so definitely that's a stay away right there. It's kind of all just trending down, and I'd just rather not. You know, once you started saying that, I remember you. you, I remember us talking about his ground ball rate last year, and I remember us having this conversation, and it's a lot worse. So, what were you asking me there? No, I was just saying, what do you think of him, or do you have any thoughts? I mean, nope. I mean, you pretty much convinced me hearing that. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want any part of that either. That. Uh, a slow-footed catcher who hits the ball on the ground a lot. If he has any sort of bad luck in the home run to fly ball department, you may have yourself an awful catcher. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I just I feel like these next uh, five to eight guys all have, or most of them at least, Just I'd just rather take a shot on them, especially when you consider that you can get them a little bit later. Mm-hmm. When I get to this, When I get to this point right here, after Will Smith, which is six, I'm really just waiting till I f- it feels right, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'll have my specific order, but I'm definitely not stretching to get Wilson Ramos or probably really any of these guys. So. Vasquez and Kelly, you know, I don't want to say much about Perez because you know he's coming back from an injury. We really didn't see any of them last year, but. Vasquez and Kelly, they both had kind of pop-up years and moved up the rankings with really good, pretty good seasons. Is there one you'd take over the other? Uh, that's tough. I, I don't really – I don't – there's – put it this way. There's guys below this that I would take over both of them. Okay. Um, I, I do kind of like, like Sal Perez – I would definitely take him over Ramos. I mean, everything was good before he got hurt. He just got hurt. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, he's, he's actually projected, steamer projection, to lead all catchers in plate appearances this year. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. I mean, obviously, he's just the type of guy that does play a lot on that terrible team. Yes. You know, so, um, and the power projections are good. I mean, 
he doesn't he's never walked really at all but he's fine i mean i i don't mind sal perez of that group he would probably be the one i would i would take uh vasquez broke out some i'm not sure exactly how much i believe it his hard hit percentage is trending up but He'll get at bats. I, that's really the best thing I can say with Vasquez, but I don't think that there's really uh, too much ceiling here taking okay. him. And with, oh, go, go ahead. I kind of like Kelly. I will say, you know, as I'm digging into him, really good at taking walks, works the count, and not a bad catcher in terms of defensively. Got some pop, real good hard hit rate this last year. I kind of find him interesting. As a guy, if I was waiting a little bit, I'd probably. I'm not yeah. saying I'd be overly aggressive on him, but I th- I kind of like what I see when I'm looking into his performance last year. Hit the ball in the air, 41 percent of the time, only 37 ground ball, 21 he, line drive. He absolutely crushes lefties. Yeah. Is. Yeah. 182 WRC plus. Great. It was Ooh. small sample. It was small sample, but um, the only thing with Kelly that I do wonder a little bit is the backup is Stephen Vogt. And mm-hmm. he seems like he always grinds out playing time. And he did have a 115 WRC plus against righties. Hmm. So I, and platoon. There's, well, I don't really think it's a platoon, but I could see Kelly not getting quite as many at bats as some of the other guys. Yeah. So, I should have said it that way. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, Kelly's definitely of- going to play more because votes old and, you know, but votes still can hit right-handed pitching. So, yeah. So instead a, of a, that'll be interesting. A, instead of a guy getting like every fourth or fifth day off, he might get every third day off. Yeah, just something of that. like that. Yeah, I could see something like that. Interesting, and that's our top ten. And let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll discuss the catchers outside the top ten. All right. Oh, boy, it's going to be fun. Yeah, this will be exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, well, now it's time to jump into 11 to 15 here, the back end of the catcher number one in 15-team leagues. Jorge Alfaro with Miami as number 11. Omar Narvez with Milwaukee now as at number 12. Sean Murphy to at with Oakland is at 13. Francisco Mejia with the Padres is 14. And then longtime veteran Yadi Molina with the Cardinals is at number 15. These guys are ranging everywhere be- between 218 overall and 255. So these guys are mid to late part of the rounds in terms of if you're doing a 23-round draft. These guys are, I guess, right around, let's see, fifteen to tw- round 15 to 18, something like that. I'm just spitballing that. But it's an interesting list of five catchers here, Andrew. Would you rank these guys any differently? And is there anybody you'd have liar- higher or lower on your own ranks? You just said you'd take some of these guys over, some guys above. So I guess there are some yeah. you'd take higher. Yeah, I'd take uh, I would take Sean Murphy, the top of this group, I believe, um, and probably Yachty and uh, Narvaez too. Those guys I think are close, 
then Alfaro, and then Mejia. I, I would take Murphy ahead of even a few of the guys up above and maybe the other guys too, like Narvaez and Yachty. I, I don't know. Those guys are kind of all close to me, but what yeah. about you, the, the order of these guys? Um, I think they're all pretty interesting. I'll, we'll get into Mejia in a second, but Murphy is somebody who I hear a lot of smart people touting right now. And Navaya's going to Milwaukee. I mean, we saw what that just did for Grandal, and he's going from playing 132 games in Seattle last year to start being the catcher in Milwaukee. That is just interesting. Anybody going from that kind of swing, he could definitely have a nice year. And then, yeah, I've always I like Yachty as a guy who I've got grabbed him late in drafts a couple times already in some mocks and real drafts. I just I like his steadiness. At the back of the back of these drafts, as a late catcher, I mean, I think I've gotten him more as like a catcher number twenty in some of these, where he's really fallen yeah. just because boring Yachty. But he's always playing, so those are interesting. I like them all. Uh, Mejia, I do want to ask about him. He had two hundred and forty-four plate appearances this last year. Hedges was getting more of the playing time, but I think Mejia was starting to get more starts down the stretch. Over under 400 plate appearances this next year. Under. I agree. So, in saying that, would you be willing to take him here in the top 15 amongst catchers? Uh, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's it's right there. 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't feel great about him in terms of just trying to get at bats. I don't think he'd be one I'd be trying to take. No, I I don't think I would be trying to take him either. Um, You know, I'd probably be just waiting. But. He is young, and there's there's enough unknown there that I'd probably at some point be willing to take a shot. I mean, I would once like I got past Sal Perez, Sean Murphy, Yachty, Narvaez, Alfaro. That's kind of probably my order. Mm-hmm. I would I would just I mean maybe Carson Kelly in there, but I would just probably wait. Somebody would yeah. be taking Ramos and Vasquez and all right, you know, I would just take the one that uh that kind of fell to me. That I think that they're all like in a similar tier. You want to hear I thought this was funny, but I was looking at Alfaro's sprint speed. So he's ninety percent sprint speed, fastest catcher, sprint speed wise. Alfaro? His, yes. His sprint speed is higher was higher last year than Tim Anderson, Christian Yelich, <laughs> Tommy Pham, and Whit Merrifield. Jorge that, Alfaro. His, yes. His stats cast sprint speed was higher than those four players. And he only stole four, stole four bags. Yeah, he was four of eight. Four steals, <laughs> four caught four times. Because I was actually thinking, um, like with this, with Alfaro, I – I think that he could randomly give you like a 10 steal season potentially. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he will, but, and I wouldn't project it, but it, you know, catcher, you don't get steals. So if anybody was going to randomly do that, 
I think there's a chance it could be him. Um, he does have the highest chase rate among catchers, swung and missed at the most pitches out of the zone of any catcher. So that's kind of kind of ugly, low walk rate. But, you know, when you're kind of going down this list, I mean, there's definitely negatives with every guy. Mm-hmm. With Murphy, with Murphy, I mean, I expect him to be their primary catcher. He battled injuries last year. He's always kind of been on the prospect map, strong arm. I mean, he's a good defensive catcher. And, yeah, I, I think he's kind of worth the shot, you know, where he's going and where you can get him. I, he'll probably trend up a little bit, but maybe not too high because there's still some questions there. But, yeah, I like – I mean, I've always liked Yachty's reliability. I think he's safe, the type of guy that's not going to kill you, safe batting average, stuff like that. But a lot of these guys with this group, like I said, I'm just kind of – waiting to see who drops. I'm not like have to have anybody. Narvaez, I don't know if you've seen his batted ball data on Statcast, but it's awful. I don't actually really? I don't actually understand Narvaez's season. I was looking at it and it doesn't it really doesn't make sense to me. Like So he, he had a lot hit, of luck. But yeah, but I wanna say I want to say that when I looked up his like home run fly ball and stuff and Babbitt and all that, it wasn't even like that out of line. It it was just really strange. I, but yeah, his yeah. exit velocities and hard hit percentage and all that were all bad. But he hit 22 home runs. I mean, and he's obviously going to a better ballpark. So, you know, that would help. 19 of his 22 home runs were on fastballs which I thought was interesting, but yeah, it's uh, like I said, any of these guys I think could work and you just kind of got to wait it out. I feel like hard to know. Yeah. Hard to know what to make of him. I'm looking at his fan graphs page right now. And yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, it doesn't the BABIP and the home run to fly ball rate, 16%. What, what was the BABIP? Uh, shoot. I just, let me, this is always good radio. Here it is. It was three Oh six. So that is, that's not bad by any means. Yeah. Any, any hitter going to Miller park too, you kind of have to be excited. The other, the other thing, um, the other thing though, that I was thinking about with him. And when you get to these like middling catchers, other than the top few that are standouts, I kind of look at the backup, like Manny Pena. He's a great defensive catcher, Mm -hmm. strong arm, all that stuff. And Narvaez is horrible defensively so in other words if he struggles he's not gonna stay in there yeah i mean i can't say for sure but you would think that i mean because he's definitely the worst defensive catcher of the two so that's kind of where you know you kind of have to look at that stuff because unlike other positions i mean i wouldn't be saying this as much if he was a second baseman or a left fielder you know but catcher they value the defense a lot and when your backup is a lot better than you on defense, it's like you better be hitting. That's all I know. Okay, let's go through 16 through 20 here. I got Travis Darno going to Atlanta. This is all between 257 and 290, so late teen rounds we're talking here with these guys. Buster Posey at 17 with a, uh, Tom Murphy with Seattle at 18. Hadn't heard that name in a little while. 
Uh, Roberto Perez with Cleveland at 19 and Danny Jansen, my beloved Danny Jansen from last year, who I projected predicted in the bold predictions podcast would be a top three catcher in 2019. <laughs> He's number 20. Uh, Buster Posey at number 17. Is he ranked there on name alone? Because he didn't do much last year. Uh, you could maybe say that I actually looked, he finished as the number 20 catcher last year okay and it's just mostly on volume i mean he obviously isn't anywhere near what he used to be um the one thing i'll say with posey now is i don't really mind him when you get to this range just because i personally when i am looking at a second catcher in like a 15 team league i mostly just want somebody who isn't going to kill me notably in batting average and is going to play. And he kind of fit checks both of those boxes. I That's I mean, fair. I don't know how I don't know how great it'll be, but I don't know how great any of these guys will be, you know. And it I feel like a lot of them could hit 210. Buster Posey won't hit 210. So it's just things I think about. I don't I think at the 17th catcher off the board, he's fine. It, I have no problem with Posey this year. It's crazy looking at his walk rates through these last five, ten years and his K rates. I mean, there are years where they're pretty much identical, just barely any yeah. more strikeouts. And it both of them went the opposite directions this last year, not in a good way. But, yeah, I think I, you you convinced me. Number 17, if, I could buy that just for the average in playing time. I mean, like, I would, I would, take, I would take Danny Jansen ahead of him just for the upside alone. I mean, mm-hmm. but – yeah, these guys, it's I'm mostly looking for in this spot, just like I said, a guy that's not gonna kill me primarily in batting average, because it's very easy to have a guy that is just constantly going 0 for three, 0 for four in your second mm-hmm. catcher slot. Draining so, you. And then you don't yeah, even realize totally. it. Yep. All right, let's go. Any actually any other thoughts on what's anybody your, else on this list? I was just gonna I was just gonna ask you what's your thoughts on Jansen after first year? <sighs> I I'm gonna say what I'm hoping. I honestly don't know. I when I when you dig into him, it really doesn't look like it was awful. His hard hit medium contact, both over forty percent. Uh fly balls, I mean ground balls weren't ridiculously high. Batting average on balls in play was only two thirty which is insanely low. I think that there's better to come. 13 home runs in 107 games. I think that I would be buying him just on the, I expect better than this. He is a, he was in his first year as a starting catcher. And I do remember interviews late in the year, coaches talking about how he put a lot of effort into trying to make sure he was ready to be a good defensive catcher, uh, you know, operating and managing a pitching, pitching staff. And, you know, sometimes these guys, the first year or two, they struggle, and then they get going. I know there are a lot of catchers that have had that happen over the years, so I'm definitely okay. I'd lo- I'd gladly buy him as my number two, even if I waited a long yeah. time on catcher, like getting him and Yachty back-to-back around this time. I would love that. Yeah, I'd take, I would take Jansen, the highest of these 16 through 20 guys. Yeah, agreed. Like Darno, I mean, he had a great year last year, but – that guy has not stayed healthy his whole career, and now he's going to probably be playing behind the plate. What is, what kind of odds would you give him playing 100 games this year? I wouldn't give him good ones. 
Yeah, it's it's tough because of how many injuries he's had over time. You he don't was def- like to he was definitely really him. good. Yeah. Well, catcher, I feel like it's a little bit different, but yeah. He was definitely good last year. I mean, yes, he was. Probably splitting with um, what's his name now, Flowers. Yes, I think Tyler the, Flowers. I think they'll, I think they'll probably split for the most part. Darno may get a little more, but well, okay. Let's go through twenty-one through thirty here. The back half of the or the catcher number twos, the guys you're waiting till the end to take. Uh, twenty-one is Kurt Suzuki. With Washington, 22 is James McCann with the White Sox. And probably a lot of that has to do with before Grandall signed. 23, Robinson Chirinos, who just signed with Texas right before we started recording. He is, it sounds like he's about to, he's agreed to a deal. Tucker Barnhart at 24. Williams Astadio, Astadio with Minnesota still sticking in, getting in there in drafts at 25. Victor Caratini with the Cubs at 26. Pedro Severino and Chance Sisko, teammates at 27 and 28. Jan Gomes at 29. And Mike Zunino with Tampa at 30. So, Andrew, let's say you waited a long time on catcher and you took one in the last round. Which of these are you hoping to grab as an in-game catcher? None of them. <laughs> I feel the same way. I mean, like, if I'm in this, if I'm in this spot here, I don't care which one. Like it doesn't. I'm just waiting as long as I can and taking whichever one is still there. Grab a because, one body. Yeah, because I like probably the I'll say this, probably the one that's like projected for a higher batting average. Yeah. Or or on base percentage if you're in an on base percentage league. But uh yeah, I just I feel like the separation when you get down here like between these guys is so small. Like the, the, the margins with these guys, it's just very minuscule. It's not a lot. I would just rather keep taking outfielders or starting pitchers or flyers on relievers or, you know, whatever, than than trying to say, Oh, I'll take Robinson Chirinos when I can just take Pedro Severino in five rounds instead, you know, like it just, that stuff doesn't make a difference to me. I don't care. Yeah. I I do like Chirinos I, I, mo- more than most in terms of on this list, but I'm also not going to go out of my way to get him. It's kind of one of those end-game things. I'll take whoever. But I, I think he'd be at, near the top of my list on this group. Yeah, that's fair. I was going to say, James McCann, if he – I mean, he just kind of got a raw deal. It, yes. He hit really good last year. Batted ball data was good. Um but I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna play anywhere near every day, and and now it's even tough for Grandal. You know, I was kind of picturing when they first got Grandal, I'm like, oh, Grandal will maybe play some first or DH, then McCann can get in there. No, nope. now that they have now that they have Abreu and Edwin, that isn't happening. No, nope. so at least not enough to matter. So mccann's probably screwed as far as that goes i mean if he was on another team where he was like the starter like if he was in baltimore or i don't know cincinnati you know one of these other spots where he was actually the main guy he'd probably be pretty decent and i would mm-hmm. take him ahead of any of these guys but he's he wouldn't not be in this so tier. just yeah it's just kind of have to go with where it is i do think uh 
Caratini would be interesting if something happened to Contreras or if they moved him, if they moved Contreras. But um, until then, probably not. And these other guys like Zanino, I mean, and he'll have some power, but he just destroys your batting average. And I do kind of like the Chirinos to Texas, but eh, these are just catcher twos for a reason, you know? Yes, they are. You know, he's not on this list. Tyler Flowers is at 32nd. That's a guy I'd give consideration to just if I'm waiting till, for the end game for these guys because I do think Darno is going to get hurt. But, again, this is a last-round type thing. If I ended up waiting, I'd probably take him a few over a few of these guys on this list, like Caratini, a couple others that I just don't – Williams, Astadio, Astadio, I don't think he's going to play. I just don't think he's going to get hardly enough playing time to be worth playing. But that's one guy you don't have to worry about yeah. playing average as much. I was, I was going to say, Astadio – would be really interesting if I just knew that he would play, but mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't have the faith that he will. He got like 200 at bats last year. Yes. So, or right around, I don't have 204. It. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Yeah. So, <laughs> With I mean, a if 3. I 3.9 percent strikeout, right? <laughs> if I, yeah, right. I mean, if I thought that he was going to play, I mean, it. He would definitely be higher than this, but. It's just hard to have any, you know, semblance of confidence as far as that goes. So. Yes. Anyone else here at the end of this list or anybody beyond the top 30 you'd even consider drafting? Um, well, in my draft and hold, I was just trying to pull it up, but I'm having trouble. Um, so I took it was 15 team, 50 round. I took Sanchez in round seven. And I think for my second catcher, I took Tom Murphy. Mm -hmm. But I was waiting. You know, that whole tier was gone. Like, I pretty much just waited. And all those guys that we named around him, like Jansen and Posey and all of them, they were all gone. So I wound up with him. And then I don't think I took my third catcher until real late. I wound up taking two more just to have my you know, cover my butt, but I think I took, I'm looking Austin Barnes and I don't remember the fourth. I can't pull it up for some reason. This thing's acting funky, but, but yeah, they're just, you know, it's just draft and hold. So you have to have a few, few guys, but um, as far as guys like real late, you were saying, I don't know. Does anybody stick out to you? I think, um, I think there's a chance that Jake Rogers could get some run in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's, he's at least a prospect. You never know. Uh, also, this would probably be mid to late season, but I read a couple things about Tyler Stevenson coming up for the Reds, possibly mm-hmm. later in the year. And that would be interesting, I think. But these aren't guys that you're drafting. If you are, it's, like I said, 50-round draft and hold. You're waiting until the end and just taking them. But there's a risk they don't even come up. Dalton Varsho, same thing. And it's Mr. Possible 18 home runs, up. 21 steals last year Yeah, in double yeah. A. He'd be and, the one you know, I'd be interested in just because I don't even think he'd play catcher. Like he, He'd be kind of like Contreras when yeah. Contreras just came up. He'd play catcher some and then move around to other positions. 
Yeah, like Joe. Like, do you think Joey Bart's up this year? No, I was looking I at that. I, I he don't did very limited time in Double A. I just don't think they're going to push him up, especially with them not competing. No, I think yeah. he's twenty twenty one. Yeah, same. I agree, and he's he's actually going ahead of those guys that we were kind of naming. Yeah, uh, like I said, vote. He's outside the top thirty. I think he'll get some playing time. Jason Castro will get some playing time, but. These guys are all junk, let's be honest. <laughs> you actually listed Castro as one that I got in my draft and hold in like the 40th round. And he was a free agent at the time. That's why I got him that late. And But I thought someone's going to sign him because he's a good pitch framer and he's going to get playing time. He may not hit well. I think he actually was a lot better than usual last year. And that's not why I took him because I'm not <laughs> not at all saying that I fully expect that to rebound. I, I think he had a lot of home runs. I'm trying to pull it up right now, but he's a good pitch framer, and especially in L.A., he's going to get playing time. But um, I, know, I remember who I took as my fourth, Dom Nunez from the Rockies. And I was literally, it was literally like round 49 or 50. I think it was round 49. And the only reason I did it is because I just wanted one more catcher, and I was like, if this guy's the starting catcher for the Rockies, it'll be worth it. And if not, it's my fourth catcher, whatever. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. The only other thing, if you play in a draft and hold and you draft Yachty Molina, I would be drafting Andrew Kneisner. I think he's at least he's an interesting prospect who, if something happened to Yachty, I think he would definitely be the guy to go in there and get playing time. And so that's one that's one I'll throw in there as the Cardinal fan and me talking. But I think I find him as a He's had a pretty good run all through the minor leagues, never striking out more than 13% of the time. And he did have 24% in a very limited time in major leagues, but I think he's a good hitter, and I would definitely try to get him if I took Yachty. I did. I took Yachty, so I did do that. Yeah, draft and hold, it's never bad to handcuff when you're talking guys that late. I mean, like I said, there's there's really no separators with these guys. They're just all kind of the same at this point. So you just kind of have to go with any edge you can get there. And sometimes it's like there's an advantage to having the backup to the guy you have in your starting lineup. Yep. For, for obvious reasons. So. Okay, well, I'm going to f- final two questions about this position. And I'm going to plan on asking this at the end of every position as we do this. And Am I glad two- it's over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is that's fair. Not the, that's not the question. <laughs> that is not the question, but that's also fair. We're getting the worst out of the way. We're, that's the good news. It's om- it, We're yeah. over, and it's all good from here. But the catcher or catchers that I think I'll be most likely to draft at their current ADP is blank. Uh I would say Gary Sanchez is Monty Grandal. Like those two of the top six, probably for me. Okay. And then of the guys later, Sean Murphy, Yadi Molina, Danny Jansen. That's about it. That's a good list. Mine would be Molina and Jansen, just throwing two out there. I think those are probably the two I'm going to be most interested in after doing research this offseason. And then question number two, the catcher or catchers I'm most likely to, or I'm least likely to draft 
I'm avoiding at their current ADP is Wilson Ramos. Yeah, I figured that'd be your answer after. And um, probably not taking Christian Vasquez where he's going either. Yeah, I'm with you on those two. Yeah, those two guys, I think. Francisco Mejia, I'll throw in also. Yeah, guys, we already yeah. talked about. I, yeah, I'm kind of with you with Mejia too. It's like a Hedges lurking there with the defense and all that. I, I know Mejia is a way better hitter. Hedges is a terrible hitter, but he's such a good defensive catcher. I just always wonder about that stuff. I'm not, I'm not really that sold on Mejia. It, he hasn't it, even been that great of a hitter. Like right, he's been all exactly. right, but he's yeah, not doing exactly. enough to make it to where it's make like, it. okay, we got to play this guy. Right, exactly. It's one thing if he's just crushing, but he Gary is, Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's really it for the. I mean, I I'll throw in Real Muto. I mean, I'm I'm never. I'm just not going to take Real Muto in the top sixty. Yeah, he's not. I know I'm not. Like. When it comes to me in that spot, I'm taking my SP1 or 2 or my OF1 or 2 or, you know, stolen bases or power that I don't have because I took stolen bases in the first three rounds or whatever. But I'm not taking JT Real Muto in the top 60. It's not. I just pulled up the overall ADP. And just looking at the people going right around him, Manny Machado, Chris yeah. Bryant, Clayton I mean, Kershaw, Vlad, Giancarlo Stanton. If it got to, if it got to where it was like pick seventy-five to eighty, and then it's like you know you're getting close to it's not going to most likely, but I don't know what his max pick is, but. If it got his max pick is 77. Okay, so yep. that's early round six. And I'm looking at the guys if there it, and I'm like, I don't think I'm even doing it there. Yeah, maybe not. But if it got to there and it was like him or Sanchez and I wanted one, I would take Real Muto, like I yes. said. I mean, af- after thinking about it, because I do think he gives you a pretty solid base. And I've, I've heard arguments where like these catchers actually provide more value than where they go. And there's the argument for taking them. And there's people that have done all that anal- analysis is kind of over my head, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just not for me in the top 60. So. Yep. I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. Just going to avoid them. So yeah, I think I'm waiting on the position as a whole. You're you're willing to go early on a couple of the second tier guys, and I'm I'm not opposed to it. I almost took Sanchez in one because I thought he fell far enough. I think both of those are fine ADPs. Yeah, but I got I got Sanchez in mine. His ADP is 86 on here, and I got him at 96. Yeah, so, that's just awesome. I mean, I wasn't even really aggressive on him. You know, nope. I just it just kind of happened. That's I, kind of where I, I was on mine when I, I nearly got Grand, it. I forget if Grandal. Oh no, Grandal went a hundred, so he went right after. Yeah. So yeah, that's fine. I mean, that you know they were kind of around that, but. Well, it's done, Andrew. We talked catchers. We got it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was kind of one at first. I was kind of like, 
could we do something else first? But then the more I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, let's just get it out of the way. Why not? You said that at the end of the last episode. You're like, do we have to start with it? Right. Like, yeah. yes, let's get it done. I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to do other positions and then have to do catcher after. I'd rather just be like, yeah. okay, we got a high because we're talking rankings. Let's just do catchers because it may not hurt as bad because we're doing rankings. That means we're into 2020. We're into baseball prep for drafts. And oh, yeah. it's going to be good. And we got some cool things coming up with Baseball 365. Um, last year, we had the draft and hold leagues that we ran on fan tracks. And I think our good friend, Joy Davik, he is working right now on getting some stuff prepped. We should have an announcement coming soon on that. And when we do, I'll put it up. It'll be on the Facebook group, but I'll also announce it here on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll have something for you next week. I don't know if that'll be the case, but if so... I'm looking forward to it because we're going to get some draft and hold leagues going on again in baseball 365 and working with fan tracks. Yeah, it'll be fun. I think he's saying about the overall competition too. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah. I made a, yeah, I, did uh, it. I made a dynasty trade today. Okay. Let's hear about it. Traded, um, 20 team dynasty league. I traded Austin Meadows, and I got Anthony Rendon and Mike Miner. So, so you traded Meadows and you actually got Rendon plus a pitcher. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I needed a pitcher. Um, I definitely didn't need a third baseman. I have Vlad and Sano. So I've got like overload at third base now. But I just thought that the value was good. And yeah. Um, I have enough outfielders that I think I'll still be okay. It's tough in a 20-team league. It's five outfielder, 20 teams, so it, it's tough. But I have a lot of outfielders in that league, and the guy came to me asking about Meadows. It's bat flip crazy, Toby, on, on Twitter. He's he's really good. He's a good but player. He, yeah, he was, uh, he was the one I made the trade with, and um, I'm happy with it. As somebody who owns Meadows in two leagues and knowing that guy knows what he's doing – I'm just going to go on and bank right now that he's a top three AL MVP finisher and for the <laughs> for the Rays. Nice. With, uh, with, with his track record, he probably will be. <laughs> and if so, I'm probably winning that Machado bet at the, from the top of the show. Yeah. So, Toby, I hope you're right. <laughs> I actually didn't bring this up on last episode or maybe even, you know, we did our dynasty buys. And I mentioned Max Freed, and who was the other one I mentioned? Oh, Jonathan India were two of my three. Ended up making deals for, to acquire both both of them in a dynasty league. And so I, I don't remember the trade stuff now. I'm not going to go into it. But I thought about it after we did that podcast, and I was like, you know what? I, I'm sitting here saying we should be buying these guys. People should be buying these guys. They'd be good opportunities. And I hadn't even tried making an offer, and put offers in on both that week and got deals done. So it was fun. And the final thing I'll finish with the earth is on its axis again, because I got Bryce Harper in a dynasty league deal. Also a couple weeks ago, right there. I think it was right before Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve. So it's an on-base percentage dynasty too. So I am pumped because Harper's long been a guy last year was the first year. I did not own Harper in a league. So uh, hopefully that'll be the only one for a while. He's back home. Yep, I know that's your boy. That is my boy. So, yeah. Well, 
We're going to get back next week and we're going to talk first base. And with most of these position previews going forward, I mean, we just talked for an hour and a half on close to an hour and a half here on this podcast with catchers. We're going to go. I'm sure we're going to be talking even longer on these other positions to where we'll probably record it and I'll split it into two podcasts. So the good news is that means you guys might be getting two podcasts a week here for a little while. And we're going to go all things first base next week. Yeah, it'll be fun. First base is not quite as good as it usually is, I feel like, but we'll get into that. I feel like we've been saying that the last few years. It definitely isn't the position that it was 15 years ago, whenever you you just, like, everybody on the first base was, like, it just, you you had to be taking somebody in the top 50, 75. There were just so many of them. But you know, uh, you know what it, you know what first base is though. The shortstop. It's better than catcher. <laughs> <laughs> I meant shortstop's so. the new first base, but yes, it's definitely better than catcher, and we will yep. prove it next week when we talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Any final words? Nope. That'll do it. Okay. Well, again, like I said at the top of the show, we appreciate you all. We appreciate the support, the new listeners. Hopefully you're enjoying this. We'll keep coming back and giving you more good content as we get closer to the season. But until then, appreciate you guys. Take care. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.